Hi, welcome to Kids First, a podcast created by Kids for Kids. I'm Evie. And I'm Lily. And each month we talk to people about their jobs. This month we're talking to Jen Clower. She's a singer-songwriter. Singer-songwriters are musicians who write, compose and perform their own musical material. Fact. A lot of words related to music come from the ancient Greeks. The Greeks believed that gods called muses inspired poets and this is where the word comes from. And songs were often sung with a lyre, an old stringed instrument like a guitar. And singing whilst the lyre played was called lyricos that gave us the word lyric. Jenna is joining us via a web link so we apologise for any audio quality issues. We acknowledge that we are on the lands of the Wurundjeri people who have been custodians of this land for thousands of years and acknowledge and pay our respects to the elders past and present. Welcome Jen. Was guitar the first instrument you learned to play? Thanks. It's really great to be here and before we get started you might have already acknowledged the true owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, but I'm going to do the same and just express my gratitude uh, for being a guest on their land and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. That's a great question and I love when people ask me about how I got started because I think it can often be surprising. I actually learnt how to play piano probably from the age of about 10 to 14 And I got lessons from a private teacher outside of my school. Um, I grew up in in Adelaide in Tandania. I enjoyed it, but I have to admit, once I had to start sitting exams, it just became like something not fun and something that I had to, you know, learn and practice and it didn't feel creative for me. So I kind of gave up piano maybe, yeah, around the age of 14. So I didn't actually learn how to play guitar or even pick up a guitar until I was about 21 and I was living in Sydney and I was at acting school at NIDA doing a a degree in acting and I went and bought my first secondhand guitar and just started to teach myself basic chords. And the reason why I bought a guitar was I loved singing and I've always loved singing, even at church because my parents took me to church as a kid. At school I was in choirs. Um, I was in little a cappella groups with friends growing up at uni, that kind of thing. But I learnt how to play guitar so that I could accompany myself so I could play an instrument and, and sing. And that's kind of where it all started. Yeah. What got you into singing? I would say that, you know, going to church like I grew up, my parents were both Catholics, practising Catholics, and so every Sunday we'd go to church and we'd sing hymns and they were both really great singers. My dad actually played piano and, and would sing along as well at home. And also my parents listened to quite a bit of music at home My mum was really into a lot of the really fantastic blues singers like Ella Fitzgerald, 
and Billie Holiday and Aretha Franklin, Sarah Vaughan. And so I grew up listening to a lot of women singers, like women of colour, so very soulful music. And I think, yeah, it just kind of was something that I was just naturally drawn to. And I, and I think it's worth maybe saying that, you know, I come from a from a tradition, like my my mum's side of the family, the matrilineal side of my family, so passed down from one woman to the next, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, Māori, which is the First Nations people of New Zealand, Aotearoa, and that culture has a very strong tradition of dance and singing and music. So I'm sure that was also just there in my inherited genes. How did you get to where you are today? Wow, that's a that's a deep question. I really like how challenging some of these questions are. Thank you for taking the time to really think them through. I, I don't quite know sometimes how to even think about where I am today. I guess I see my life as an ever-evolving journey and sometimes I stop to kind of take stock and look at where I am as opposed to maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. I'm now 46. Probably the best way I can answer that question is just to say that I've been very fortunate. You know, I've grown up in a country and in a in a society where I've had a lot of privilege and perhaps didn't even realise, you know, just things like having a house and having a peaceful home where there was no violence, no poverty, being able to get an education, being able to go to university, being able to walk um, for the most part safely down the street and not be frightened of authority. I think in a lot of ways I am where I am just because of my good fortune and also because I've had some wonderful people come into my life and and be there as teachers and challenge me and encourage me. Yeah, so I think it's really got to do with, with people and good fortune. How do you write songs? Where does your inspiration come from? Do you hear the music in your head or the lyrics first? I sort of have a process where I just sit down with my guitar and I like to play around with tunings, different tunings on the guitar. And I don't, I've never learnt formal music notation or music theory. So I don't actually know how to write music down. You know, I wouldn't be able to hand other musicians sheets of music that they could then play. (laughs) That's probably the best way to put it. A lot of my writing is very intuitive and I muck around with tunings on my guitar so that I don't just go to the same notes all the time. When you start to change the tuning of the guitar, you kind of get lost and you have to find your way around the neck of the guitar. And so it forces me to, I guess, explore the guitar in a different way. And I think as a result, that creates new worlds for me to start writing 
different melodies. So to answer your question, that was a long way around, but I wanted to give you a bit of a backstory. I write the melodies first by playing guitar and finding something on the guitar that feels good and then I might hum a melody and then once I have those things in place I start to think about the lyrics and the lyrics for me are probably the most important part of the song. I, not to say that the melody isn't super important because I think the melodies have to be strong to draw our attention and to make us listen but once we're listening I think the lyrics are where we really start to communicate whatever it is that we want to share with the listener and songwriting for me and lyric writing for me has always been very much about what's happening in my life at that time and what I'm thinking about, what I'm feeling, what I'm questioning, what I might be concerned about. It could have something to do with with politics that might affect my life or people in my life that are really important to me. I've written albums about my my parents and my mother. I've written albums about my, you know, ex-partners. I've written all sorts of songs. But yeah, I think to answer that in a very direct way, I would say that I you know, write songs that are very much about my life rather than writing about characters that I make up. I've written songs, a cat-inspired one song, but after I wrote it, I thought it was pretty bad. Have you ever written songs that you look at afterwards and think they're weird? (laughs) I love that you wrote a song about a cat and I think that writing songs about whatever is in our life, the things that we love, You know, I often just think, you know, a really good place to start when you're trying to work out what you want to write about is like, what do I care about? What in my life do I care about? What are the things that I love? I think writing about the creatures in our life, human and non-human, are really beautiful places to start. And I've actually written about my cat, Bubbles, as well. She actually is mentioned in a song on my last album, Uh, in a song called Sensory Memory. I don't say Bubbles because it's a serious song and Bubbles is not a serious name, let's face it, but I do do mention Bubbles. And I think something that that I'd really like to, I guess, pass on to anyone listening is when you first start writing songs, they probably will be fairly basic and they may not be complete works of art. They may not even represent what you feel you could write but you maybe don't yet have the skill or the know-how or the experience to write those songs and so I just encourage you to just write anything and not to be too judgmental. It's kind of like riding a bike, you know. It takes time to learn how to ride a bike. You don't just get on a bike and then ride it perfectly unless you're a superhero. Similarly with anything that you learn songwriting is something that you learn I think sometimes people just see the end product you know you see that singer on their Instagram or their TikTok and you see the finished product the perfect thing but we don't see the journey that it took for that person to get there 
And that's what we have to remember is, you know, it's an ongoing process. So I have written songs that I would probably be a little bit embarrassed about today. Maybe there's songs that I haven't even released that I haven't put out into the world, but they were part of my journey. And I think what I want to pass on to anyone who's, you know, up and coming and thinking about writing songs or actually writing songs is like, you don't have to be good enough. There's no rules. Your expression is your expression. And I think something that's happened through growing up in patriarchal society, growing up in colonised society, growing up in, in a capitalist system is that we're brought up to believe that we have to be perfect and that we have to be the best and that it's a competition and that you can only do something until you're perfect at it. But that's a very flawed idea and I just want to encourage anyone who just wants to do something to just do it and to do it for the love of it and to do it because it makes you happy. And anything else that might come as a result of that is great, but really at the core, just follow your bliss. Do the things that make you feel like a whole and happy person. Has the way you put your songs together creatively changed over time? I think my process has always been very organic and quite simple in that I've always played with bands of musicians and I've always taken songs into a rehearsal room and played them to the band and then the band has joined in and we sort of find our way through the song. Obviously I go in there with the song usually complete, so the lyrics and, you know, the melody, the arrangement is is pretty solid and then the band sort of fleshes it out and we sort of find our way through it. And then I would go into a recording studio with my band and usually record the song pretty much live. And when you listen to my albums, the majority of the vocal takes, um, the vocals that you hear of me singing, are me singing live with the band because I really feel like you get the best performance when you're not thinking too hard about whether you're getting it right. and When I perform with a band, I'm thinking more about the song rather than, am I singing this perfectly? That's been my process so far, but I think I'm also really open to exploring other ways of writing and recording in the future as well. That's just been my experience over the last four or five albums. Do you write songs for other people? Is it weird to hear other people sing your songs? I haven't actually written songs for other people. I guess I see myself really as a storyteller and a performer and that songwriting is a way of expressing that and that if I didn't write songs I'd probably write films or be on a stage as an actor or be painting or, you know, I'd find some medium, some form to express my creativity or my vision or what it is that I want to have a conversation about. And that's probably why I haven't written songs for other people because imagine, for example, if I was a painter, 
I probably wouldn't paint paintings for other people, if that makes sense. Even though I know there's a lot of people out there that do write songs for people and are just songwriters and they don't even necessarily perform. They just write songs for people and then that person goes off and records it, and, um, which, is, which is great and I have a lot of respect and I have a lot of friends who are songwriters for other people but I have heard people cover my songs so do cover versions of songs that I've written and released and I love it I love hearing other people's interpretations how they might even sing the lyrics a little bit differently or approach it on a different instrument you know I play guitar sometimes people will cover my song and play piano or do you ever forget your lyrics (laughs) <laughs> that's a great question all the time in fact I'm kind of famous for it I get really distracted you know like I'll be singing and then I'll look out into the audience and I'll see Sam and Brioni and then I'll start thinking about Sam and Brioni and forget the lyrics it's just something that I do or sometimes I just can't remember and I think what I've learned is like not to give yourself a hard time about it like no one's perfect. No one in the, like whenever I've forgotten lyrics playing live, not, people in the audience just laugh. Like they're with you. They're like, oh, poor Jen. She can't remember her lyric. And sometimes I'll ask the audience, like, what is the next lyric? And they'll sing it back to me. <laughs> so use your audience to remember your lyrics if you forget them. Note to self. But, yeah, not, not to beat yourself up about it. Like I think there's a real perfectionist streak in me where I'm like, oh, I'm so bad, I forgot my lyric, you know, and it can be pretty scary because you'll be in the middle of a song and can't remember the lyric and, you know, I've had to stop songs and go, I'm sorry, I actually don't remember any of the lyrics to this song and we need to stop and I need to play a different song. Do you prefer performing live on stage or recording in a studio? I really do everything so that I can perform. So I write and I record so that the end goal is I can get out and perform the songs and which is why I kind of call myself a songwriter and and performer. And the reason why I love performing so much is because I feel like that's the part of the of the performing arts is is having that direct relationship with an audience that you create either as a solo artist or with your band on stage, this energy that is then shared with your audience. And and the audience is part of that. They're part of the performance. Their energy, their attention, their focus creates a space where something magical can happen. It doesn't always happen, but when it does, everyone feels it. You know, I'm sure both of you have sat watching a performance and felt like you're totally swept up in it you forget that you're standing there you even for a minute might even forget who you are and instead this song or this thing that's happening in front of you takes over and I think in a lot of ways we go to art we go to music and performance to not only understand ourselves better and see ourselves reflected back but I think also to be absorbed and to lose ourselves and to lose, you know, the worry of that day and just be somewhere else in that magic that that music can create for us. So that's why I love performing. And I think as interesting as the process of recording can be, 
if you were to say to me, you know, you could never perform again, I'd be pretty sad. Also, bubbles just jumped up onto the table. My apologies. <laughs> Recently, you released an album, Dyson Stringer and Chloe. Do you like making music? Yeah, look, I, I do. And I really enjoyed making that album. That was with Mia Dyson, Liz Stringer, and obviously me, Jen Cloa, Dyson Stringer Cloa. We, uh, we went to the States, the United States of America, and recorded the album in Chicago because Mia lives and has been living in, in L.A., um, for the last 10 years and Liz was living in Toronto and so it made sense for me to travel across and we decided to go and make the album at this quite famous studio in Chicago owned by uh, Jeff Tweedy who's who's in a band called Wilco. Yeah what was really fun about making an album with friends first of all was we were all writing the songs so it wasn't all just on my shoulders it was really collaborative. We could help each other out. But probably the, the best part was the harmonies. We got to sing three-part harmonies on songs. And Liz and Mia are not only two of the greatest guitarists that I've ever met, and I've met some great guitarists, but they are also just wonderful singers. And so to be able to have that experience of being on a stage and and singing with Mia and Liz. If anyone out there has sung harmonies, or if I don't know if either of you have sung harmonies before, but it's a lot of fun. It feels amazing. And I think for me, more than anything, the experience of being able to sing harmonies was was the whole reason I think that we wanted to make that record. How do you put songs together creatively in a band? Does one person write the music and one person edit? I think for the Dyson Stringer Cloa album, we would come to the group with ideas and just play an idea and then maybe someone would have a lyric or a melody and we'd sort of just, I guess, collaboratively pitch in and, and try things. And sometimes we'd also come to the group with songs that were fairly complete. So we wrote some of the songs together um, and some of them we wrote at home alone. But, yeah, I think another aspect of, of that collaboration was in the studio and, say, for example, I might be like, oh, hey, I want to try out this idea for this guitar part. And so we'd put it down, record it and then listen back. And if Liz and Mia were like, we don't like it, we had a kind of, I guess, an agreement that, if two people didn't like something or two people really liked something, then that was how we made decisions. <laughs> so sometimes we were voted out, you know, like you might have a great idea but the other two people didn't like it. I guess it's a sort of, you know, democratic process. I once saw you performing at a fundraising gig to save the blue banded bit. What are some other fundraisers that you've done? I think the last one that I was a part of was a bushfire fundraiser, which happened in, I think it was late January this year. I did a, a fundraiser late last year for the Bob Brown Foundation. Of course, Bob Brown was the famous leader of the Greens Party for many years and is now, you know, a full-time 
environmentalist and activist. Fundraising, playing fundraiser shows can be a really good way for musicians to show their support because sometimes we don't have a lot of money to offer but we can give our time. And I think that's why you'll see a lot of artists playing fundraisers and doing shows as a way of being able to contribute. Kids out there wanting to get into songwriting, what, where's a good place to start? I think a really good place to start is to just do it, you know. Like you don't even need an instrument. You can just pick up your phone and record a melody. If you've got a melody floating around in your head, just record it. Um, and you can get a whole collection of things together, just little recordings. Music will float into your head and songs will just come to you. It's not something that I think we have to try really hard to do. I think we're all full of music. We're all full of creative ideas. And it's really just learning to trust that our ideas are great and we should just do it. If you feel like you want to learn an instrument, whether you teach yourself or you get lessons, that can be a really helpful way to write songs as well. There's no rules. Creativity is everybody's and songwriting and music is for everyone. We all own it. No one owns music. This is a question we've asked everybody that we've interviewed so far. What did you want to be when you were our age? I'm not sure if I... Can I just check again exactly how old you both are? Nine. 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 I feel like when I was nine... I maybe didn't know exactly what it would look like, but I knew that I loved performing. I was already in school plays. I was already singing in the choir. I was already at home miming and dancing to my favourite albums. I was just obsessed with, with creating things and singing and music and performance. And so I'm not sure if I was like, oh, I definitely know that that's what I want to do when I grow up, but it's what I was already doing. And so I just feel very lucky that I've been able to actually have a life where I've been able to do it, you know? Thank you. Thank you both so much. I just I have a lot of um, admiration for you creating this podcast and I just think it's such a great way to learn about the world and and just being curious about what other people do and I imagine that you're both learning a lot have you both felt like you've learned a lot more yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty cool so good on you like I I have a lot of respect for people who just do things and it, it takes a lot of courage to just interview people that you may not know that well. So I just want to let you both know that I, I think it's really great and good on you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Kids First. Tell your friends all about it. You can contact us at kidsverse.com.au or via Twitter at kids underscore verse.